0: Welcome back to another episode of Two Average Husbands. I'm your host, Jake.
1: And I'm your host, Kyle. Welcome back, everybody. Excited to be back to Thursdays on a regular schedule now that Jake's not so busy for us. Um, But I can speak on Jake's behalf and tell you that he's not drinking this week. He's feeling a little under the weather. Just
0: a teeny bit.
1: So he's going to avoid the drinking, but I am not because I don't want to. That makes sense. (laughs) The first one that I'm going to try today is an import from Japan. It is called Orion, the draft. Courtesy of one of my coworkers. Brought it in and I snatched a couple to bring home. So we're going to be trying this one today. Comes highly recommended.
0: I'm happy for you. I wish I could have a drink with you, but I think uh, a little bit of myself getting sick was from drinking too much too often um, for a couple days there. Um, drank with you guys for the podcast. That went for most of the night there and then you had a softball tournament the next day drank most of the day there tried to make it a long time i was like you know what i'm not going to drink until our 12 o'clock game uh grounded out in my first at bat of the nine o'clock game and started drinking right then so um now i've got a little like it's probably just it's like a cold like kind of sinusy nothing too crazy it goes it comes and goes like feeling shitty and not i think that honestly is just because i haven't been hydrating enough but I'll don't do feel, it. don't We're feel too time. bad, which is nice. You know, feel pretty okay. All things considered, it's not a COVID by any means, nothing crazy. But, um, I don't even know whose turn it is to go first. Honestly, it's Ooh, been a couple. A it's question. been a. It's been two episodes since we've done an actual regular episode. So I'm not.
1: I'm happy to go first anyway because uh, I want to still try to stick with what I asked. Uh, of you and told the audience that I wanted to do the last episode that we did that was a real episode which is I would like to now that we're entering the NFL season not do a full topic but just do a little segment on some NFL related things as we go throughout the NFL season so the question that I have for you and then I will give my response as well is name one player so far in the preseason that has surprised you with their performance
0: Ooh. I'm trying to think of strictly game action stuff, not really, like, practice stuff or... Yeah, not practice. I'm talking
1: about in the preseason games.
0: For me, it's probably Rahamandre Andre Stevenson uh, from New England. Uh, coming out of the draft, I hated him. I uh, hated his profile, thought he was nothing special. Um, in the game that he played in, though, he broke off a huge touchdown run, showed a lot. He was, like, the fastest or third fastest player, uh, like, full recorded speed, which, given his... Um, his profile coming out of college was a shocker because he was one of the like bottom third least athletic running backs that we'd seen come out of the draft. So for me, it's probably him. Um, there've been a couple other guys that have, uh, surprised me a little bit as well. Um, Juwan Johnson, the now tight end down in new, uh, New Orleans, um, He's a converted wide receiver. He's he's shown a lot of a uh, lot of prowess so far. Um, his size is a problem. Going to definitely be a matchup problem. And if he can stay consistent, I hate Adam Trotman. Um, just don't think he's a great tight end for you know a productive, at least a productive fantasy tight end. He's a decent NFL tight end, but not a good fantasy option if that makes sense. Um, so for me. I think Johnson can definitely be the the better option there. And then the last guy that surprised me so far as well has been Cam Newton tonight. The man's gone like eight for nine with a tutty through like 110 yards or something like that. It's pretty solid for a guy who I still think can't pass.
1: (laughs) That's fair. And, uh, uncle Kyle, feel free to, he chimed in the comments and my mic's quiet. So Jake might have to adjust my volume, but I tried to move my mic around a little bit too. So let me know if you still can't hear me very well. Uh, but Jake's not very good at following directions when I said one player. And he yeah, well, you're always going to get and, you're gonna get more than
0: one. That's just how I am.
1: I have the one for me, which is uh, really stood out in that first week of preseason. And it threw me off a little bit just because, like, from a fantasy perspective, I totally kind of disregarded this person. And I'm starting to regret that a little bit. Not that it's not somebody that I can reach out and pick up probably still in some leagues. But Rondale Moore of the Arizona Cardinals hey, has shocked me. I watched him play, and he looked good. He looked like a solid, will definitely make the starting roster, I'd say, sooner than later for the Cardinals. And it's not like he's better than DeAndre Hopkins by any stretch of the imagination, but he is going to fill a void in the offensive weaponry of that, or for the, the Cardinals, and I think he's going to be fantastic long-term. Uh, I kind of threw him out just mostly from a size perspective. He's a tiny-ass dude, and Kyler Murray's a tiny-ass dude. So, like, two tiny dudes fucking out there just playing football is uh, not the most likely situation, I would say. But he has talent, and he showed it, and he looks good. Um, The other one, I guess, since Jake is going to throw another name out there, is, shockingly, I think Drew Locke has looked really good. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because he has been pretty much cast off everybody's boards as well. And from a fantasy perspective, probably still not that relevant. Uh, but the big thing is, is that he could still win the job in Denver. Not that he—it's—it's it's more of his job to lose rather than his job to win. So as long as he continues to play well in the preseason, I think Teddy is going to sit as the backup. So uh, good for him. And I do have him on a couple leagues as dynasty leagues is kind of like a a deep roster option. So happy to see that he's doing a little bit better this year, at least in the preseason. We'll see how that goes when he starts playing against like true starters in the real season. But um, I had oh Javante Williams is my third since you gave three. Javante Williams looked really good, too, in the first preseason game that he had. Um, obviously, uh, probably not going to be the number one immediately. Melvin Gordon will still have a little bit of gas left in the tank, but uh, Javante Williams is going to take over again sooner, probably rather than later. So happy to see that he's doing well since I also owned, or uh, have shares of him in a couple leagues. Shout-out to the video or the tweet Jake sent out about that guy that hates it when people say shares. I don't know if that was satire or not, but either way. I'm gonna that was the dumbest, as as I want. F-
0: dumbest fucking video that I've ever seen. Like... The argument that he was making to is, like, you're not in finance. It's like, bitch, I'm investing money in my fantasy leagues. I'll <laughs> say whatever the fuck I want. It's my money. Um, but, yeah, I got to agree with you. Drew Locks looked really good. And I think, you know, that's going to be huge for, for them. He's got the physical talent to be a top 10, 15 quarterback in the NFL. It's the yeah. mental side of it and, you know, slowing the game down and letting the game come to him as opposed to trying to attack it the way that he has. And I think I, one, of their, uh, one of their beat writers um, – put it kind of well when it was talking about kind of how practice was going early on essentially. And it's like the difference between Drew and Teddy was that Drew was understanding the concepts, running the plays they were supposed to be run, and was just occasionally missing a target or the ball would hit the ground, whatever. Whereas Teddy was completing every single pass that he threw, but never actually running the play it was supposed to be, like the way it was supposed to be run. Like never hitting the one or two option, like hitting the check downs, hitting the fourth option in there. And, you know, I think, you know, it really is going to come down to if they want to win games and want to really take a chance at winning games, I think they have to start, Drew. And I think Teddy is a solid option where if it's not working, you can throw him out there. We've seen Teddy be fine. We just, you know what his ceiling is. His ceiling is an Andy Dalton type he's gonna get 500 quarterback maybe a couple games over whereas Drew Lock, if Drew Lock hits you're looking at a legitimate chance to win that division
1: yeah I think uh based on what you said you might be a little higher on possibility with Drew Lock than I am right now I think the improvement shows and the improvement's great I don't know that he's gonna shock and surprise this year during the regular season but maybe he does and maybe i'm completely out to lunch but i think there is a good chance that he is kind of a 500 quarterback this year as well which is he has the weapons though that can make that like you said a couple games over and potentially i could see that leading to a division win but i'm not sold on that yet
0: yeah i just i i think physically speaking you know drew locks he's got the better arm he's the faster of the two quarterbacks at this point in their career like just physically speaking, we know Drew Locke can make the throws. It's just a matter of mentally making the right decisions, which he showed pretty well down the last half of you know the end of last season. Hopefully, that can go you know translate into a good start here. But yeah. with their wide receiver core healthy, if their offensive line stays healthy, with you know that offense can be very very good, even with yeah, just an yeah, average absolutely. quarterback there. And yeah, that absolutely. defense is projected to be one of the best in football. Yep. You know, I it's if he hits in an even slightly above average fashion, like Joe Flacco won a fucking Super Bowl. Like there's no reason that drew Locke can't
1: speaking of certain and which everybody kept calling him Sertan. Am I just wrong? I thought it was, I always thought it was certain but I could be wrong during the game. They kept saying Sertan and it was actually driving me nuts. Cause I was like, you're wrong, but maybe I am. I don't know. Somebody can chime in and let me know either way. Sertan and both uh, Micah Parsons both look really good in the preseason too. And I know people are like, Oh, Micah Parsons recovered one fumble. And like, that game of the Steelers and everyone's like, that's not representative of him as like a performer, but he looked good in both those games. So it's, It
0: is pronounced Sertan. So we have oh, been saying it incorrectly. I kind of
1: hate that, but sorry, <laughs> Sertan, I will pronounce your name correctly now.
0: Hey, I, I will fully admit there are some names that I struggle with. Um, Albert Alphabet. He's one of them. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then figure it out. Look at it. Figure uh, it out. At, Look at some uh, tight ends around the league. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just ready for regular season football. That being said, yes. me being me, I'm, I'm in another fantasy draft. Tried Let's to get it. Kyle into it. He would not I'm join. I'm out. I felt like it was going to be free cash for the both of us, but hey, it is what it is.
1: Can't. Can't do it, man. I think you can. Can't. I think. I'm you... in too many leagues already this year. You're in like four. More than that, but that's okay. <laughs> You're like five.
0: I'm in like. If you count best ball, I'm in, like, 50-plus leagues. So that is that is absurd. Well, for best ball, my argument is, is I just draft. That's it. Yeah. I just draft. Yes. And if I draft well, I win money. If I don't draft well, I lose money. It is what it is. But, like, you don't set your lineups or anything week to week, so you just draft a roster and then you forget about it. And a lot of that I do as, like, almost like a mock draft kind of thing, just with, like, some incentive to it. Just yeah, kind of see where players are going, especially for like with redraft season coming up. I did a bunch of them. Um, that being
1: said too, draft strategies are a little bit different in best ball. I don't do best ball. I've never done best ball, but I've read a little bit about draft strategies and I have a, I feel like people are a little different about the way that they draft in those leagues. So mock drafting in a best ball in order to get yourself prepared for a redraft might not be the best methodology, but.
0: My argument is, I, so I use it as kind of a basis up until round like seven or eight. Just because in that in those rounds people are drafting, typically the best talents. It's later on in the draft where you start to get the guys like people reaching a little bit for a Mike Williams type, who's a who's a deep ball guy who could go off for a MVS, you know that kind of thing. That typically doesn't happen until later in drafts, and I have found that I that the strategy of using best ball as kind of a mock draft scenario has worked well for me. That's what I did a lot last year as well, um, and I had a lot of success with that. So i think it you know i think there's some benefit to it you know it's obviously not following it to a T, but it also just kind of keeps you fresh being in drafts and kind of keeps you hot a
1: little bit yeah that's fair but that's all i got that's our little nfl segment to start off the podcast i just want to like i said i we're both big into football uh jake might eventually branch off and do a fantasy football podcast again too but in the meantime i want to at least dabble into the the football realm while we're in the season and leading up to it. So we'll probably continue to do that just for a few minutes at the beginning of every podcast, uh, during the NFL season.
0: Definitely. Definitely. All right. You want me to go first or do you want to go first?
1: I will let you go first since I just did that.
0: Wow. Let's see if I would have known that I'd have just done the football
1: segment myself. <laughs> well beat you to it. You're welcome.
0: So, okay. Um, I've actually got a pretty decent topic and it, it's one that you and I have kind of discussed before. Um, but what do you feel is the biggest glaring issue right now with video games in general? Be that, you know, the... Well, specifically, I'm, I'm thinking of the genre of, like, the Battle Royale games. Um, we're seeing a lot of people switch... A lot of big streamers, anyway, are switching over from uh, Warzone into Apex just due to some, all of the issues that have been going on with Warzone. I feel like there's been a lot of... Um, hope in the last you know seven eight hours since they did the reveal for um call of duty vanguard where they're announcing a new map for warzone as well as an anti-cheat um but you know i mean even myself i've kind of gone away from warzone and i'm starting to play apex a lot more why do you think that a lot of people are going away from it and what's kind of keeping you so into warzone as opposed to some other brs
1: yeah that's a good question i think um that the the To focus on battle royale specifically, right? And to to meet the intent, I think of your question, I would have to say that I think the 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 thing that drives people away from from Call of Duty specifically is their lack of an anti cheat, which, like you said, is being addressed in the next update uh, or the new version of Warzone, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's supposed to be today, wasn't it? Like the launch was supposed to be today. I yeah, it happened today.
0: Well, yeah. not it's not the launch, but the trailer, like the release, the trailer okay, of that. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay, yeah, I haven't looked at it at all yet, so I can't really speak to that, but. Uh, I think the refusal to address that problem uh, leading up to this point in time is what has driven a lot of people away. I would try to say that it's like almost monotony in in the Battle Royale realm as well, where you just, at some point in time, you're going to reach a stage of burnout on a game like that because it is just repetitive gameplay over and over and over and over and over again. Like the challenge in the game itself is different because you're playing with different people, but the concept is the same every single time so i think that's enough of a reason to burn people out the thing that the interesting thing to me is that it's never it's never been the game type or that specifically that's ever driven me away from one of those games originally i was very turned off to that idea because of that reason like i didn't want to get into battle royales because i was like why would i ever want to do the same thing over and over again all day long but then you do it and it's addicting and you fight for the win and it's like it's competitive and there's a lot of good things about that type of game, especially with the accessibility with the price, you know, like the price point either being cheap or free in a lot of cases. So um that's kind of the thing that keeps me around to the battle royale game type uh as a whole, but specifically with Call of Duty, for me I think the the gameplay and the experience is just better in the from a first-person shooter perspective because I think it um I don't hate apex because of what they've done differently i just don't like the way that it plays i think they added in some different concepts which are great for people like you have all the different abilities and like all this other like you know really it's like primary secondary abilities plus like web you know uh, inventory maintenance and everything like that so it's it's more like you're um PUBG g in that sense where you have to like pick up ground loot and like dispose of ground loot and like you're you're managing an inventory as opposed to just getting a loadout like you do in Warzone. but i do think that for me and it's it's not a graphics thing either because originally i think there was some weird shit going on on my computer where like the graphics just looked horrible which made me want, not want to play it at all but then yeah. since i fixed that i think that alleviated my concerns there but it's just i don't know i feel like i'm like It's not even that I feel the gameplay is slower, but I do. I do feel the gameplay is slower a little bit because the map's massive. And so, like, even when you and I played the other day and I I dabbled back in just for a minute, we went maybe, like, three-quarters of a game without ever seeing a person. And that doesn't happen in Warzone.
0: Part of that was by design, though, to be fair. I will admit, like, we jumped right into Ranked. And in Ranked, you're playing for your placement more than you're playing for fighting a lot of the time. And so we were just, especially with you being new, I didn't want to, like, jump into a bunch of fights. You know, I'm trying to play for my rank and your rank a little bit. Whereas I think if we just jump straight into pubs, like, I'll land Streamer City every single time, and I'll just push, like, fight after fight, and I don't care.
1: Yeah, and I get that, too. But it just, for, for me, like, I feel like even if you wanted to, like, even when we land, like, so Jake and I like to land security a lot, if anybody cares to know what that is in Call of Duty Warzone. But when we do that, we do that with a sense of, a lot of the times, it's easier to rapidly get loot in a loadout, and then you go and press all your fights. So it changes the way you pace the game. But almost, very rarely do we have an experience where you don't at least have a fight there initially that you have to win, or immediately thereafter. And so, the pace of the game is, is in my opinion, faster and more intense in Call of Duty. And like again, too, like it's hard to describe the 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 experience that you have, like literally just playing the game, and saying that I think that that is better. But I truly believe that my experience in Warzone is better than my experience in Apex. Just the way that the game plays. yeah. And that's not to say it's a bad game. I just, and I bitch about it all the time and say that it is, but it's not. It's a good game, and they've done a good job developing it and making it better over time. I just don't enjoy that experience as much, which is what drags me back to Warzone all the time.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of what has kind of drawn me towards Apex was it's kind of a change. Um, I, I said it the other day when you and I were playing, but I feel like Warzone, like, the way that you can make your loadouts, like every gun, just feels like a fucking laser beam. Like I feel like I just point, click, shoot, and I kill somebody. Like there's, there's not as much that, like, in a sense, like obviously, like there's still certain aspects like positioning and and everything like that. But it's like when you build a lot of these meta guns, like the guns that become meta guns are the guns that have little to no recoil and hit fairly hard. And that's just it seems like to me every single gun that you can build, like all of the the ARs that everybody runs, all the SMGs, like they all just feel like they have little to no recoil that you ever have to deal with. And whereas Apex, the guns inherently operate differently and you have to kind of pick and choose the drawbacks of a lot of guns. Like in Warzone, I can run a growl and I can just hit fire with a growl up close and I'm probably gonna get the kill. Whereas in Apex, like some of the guns are meant to, are very clearly meant to be long range guns. And if you try and use them close range, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage. Whereas if you, and vice versa, where if you pick up, like, an R99, like, you can't treat an R99 like an AR. Whereas in Warzone, I can pick up a lot of these SMGs and they're just as good as ARs.
1: Yes and no. I, that Again, too, like, range is a factor in both of those games. Uh, up close, yeah, I'd say that, like, that you could use probably an AR... Sim- more, I would reverse that statement, and so you could use an AR more similar to an SMG close range as opposed to the opposite, because you don't really have that many, like, good long-range SMGs, in my opinion. But that's not, like... It's not something to sit and like argue over. But the, yeah. the thing is is like in Apex, and I think this is part of the experience of play, right? So in Apex, every single ground gun has no attachments. Right. I mean, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's yeah. correct, right. So you don't get attachments as opposed to Call of Duty where your ground loot even already has attachments and some of them are like really good. So that has changed the experience of the game and in Apex you don't go get loadouts, like you build your gun, right? Like so I said it's inventory management, it's weapon management, it's attachment management. And it's just, that is a different experience than Call of Duty, because if Call of Duty made it so every single ground gun didn't have an attachment at all, it would probably be a more similar experience to, to Apex, where you're trying to have, where you're you're not going to have laser beams on every single gun, because right. all of the guns that are standard use guns and all of the loadouts in Warzone are laser beams or low recoil weapons because of the fact that they have been built that way, intentionally. If you just had every single gun, iron sight, no attachment, it would not be the same experience that it is with with the way that it is, so... Um, I get what you're saying. I don't... I've just kind of accepted that as a fact of the game. Like, you have... Your metas exist. And it exists in Apex, too, but you just have to, like, work your way to that. Like, people have... There are certain guns in that game that are better than others, and especially with certain attachments, and people are going to go seek those out and try to build those. It's just a different experience to try to build those rather than just get money to buy it. You know what I mean?
0: I just feel like with Apex, like, you can make pretty much any gun viable. Like... Outside of a couple of the pistols and like the Mozambique, like if you have most of the guns with a couple decent attachments, like you can make everything fine. Um, but I, I do admit that I do like that aspect of looting and having to improve your your weapons as it goes along, as opposed to just yeah. hit a scab, hit three chests. Oh, we for got sure. a loadout now. Yeah, dude. Um, I that. And then with Apex, I also love the I love the fact that they have a rank system. Like I love playing for a rank, and that's yeah. maybe just something that I've always enjoyed. Like I used to be the guy who would like always try and hit tenth prestige in call of duties in counter-strike. I was always playing for a rank. So I think in that, in this game, I really like playing for a rank, but I also like the abilities that happen in apex because it makes you play a little bit more strategically. Like you can play the game four different ways, depending on just the comp of your team alone. Like you can play super aggressive. You can play a more passive long range game. You can play, you know, kind of a mix of that. You can play, you know, you can just, play that around but it's also a lot of that comes down to knowing your abilities and knowing when to use them and how to use them which I think you know is a big learning curve for a lot of people and there's a lot of movement you know movement things that are you know I'm even still learning after years of playing Apex like new movement tactics that you know people are finding every single time they can whereas in Call of Duty you've got like slide canceling but that's really all
1: you have Um, yeah the movement's not cosmic it's pretty basic for a first-person shooter. But yeah. I will say that like perks and perks and are um, my blanking uh, or uh, and equipment perks and equipment make a, a similar factor. Like not it's not necessary ca- like attached to a certain character, but it is attached to like the personality of who you play with. Like our yeah, team for team. sure. Like, when you and I play together, you have a different method that you play in Call of Duty than I do. Like you are better at like sniping, right? For example, than way better than I am. So like you might pick up a sniper and be effective in there. So you can handle like the long range while I handle like the mid to short. You know what i mean so like there is a way that you can build the composition of your team without having like set character uh specs or whatever your, like, abilities you know what i mean like so i wouldn't i wouldn't say that apex necessarily has a leg up in like having this additional benefit of building a character with those abilities because i think that is still a factor in call of duty it's just a different methodology
0: yeah i agree i just think with the abilities like you're adding something else to the game like as opposed to just playstyle, like for example, um, the new character that they put out, uh, Seer, um, he's got some abilities that a lot of people have considered to be very overpowered right now, but it's also about how you use those abilities. Like, just because I'm a sniper and you're, you know, you can play a little bit more of a close quarter game, um, at least that's just how we tend to play, just because of how, just the way that we play Rebirth, typically, um, you know, I can definitely just run, grab an AR and an SMG and run around yeah, and, and do everything sure. else too. Um, we just typically do that because it, it provides, like, a balance. Like, in Apex, you don't necessarily need that balance. Like, you could have a guy like Seer where I can... It's one of the few characters in the game where I f- really feel like I can, like, solo an entire team just because of how effective the abilities can be. But also, if you, have a, if you have a guy on your team playing that character who uses the abilities poorly, like, your whole team kind of has to adjust that. Like, if I'm bad at sniping in Warzone... I just drop us like if I'm missing my shots I just drop the sniper. I'm like fuck it, let's just run at him.
1: Yeah, but you can also have the people on the team that are bad at sniping and don't drop the sniper, you know what I mean? So like Yeah. There's but talent compensation there too, but yeah. I get what you're but
0: saying. But it's like in Apex like you have to wait till the next game to kind of correct that if if that player's bad, like whereas here, you know, in Warzone it can be corrected in the blink of an eye.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I will say that is why I enjoyed uh, Overwatch a lot. Yeah. Like, the character profiles in Overwatch, similar to Apex, right? Like, you have certain abilities and uh, certain teams that are, like, the meta rather than the weapons, right? So you have, like, um, healer builds uh, plus, you know, your, your healer tank. Yeah, like, goat uh, comps. You had the assault, goat
0: comps and you had the the other enemy. builds.
1: Yeah. So there, there's metas in that sense, too. And I do enjoy, like, the the concept of adjusting the different abilities and getting better with some of those, too. I, I, I think there's a place for that. Like I said, I just from a Battle Royale perspective, I prefer Warzone. I don't know. I guess it is personal preference. It's truly at the end of the day, because a a lot of the rest of this is, there are some fact-based things in the way that the games play, but I think at the end of the day, it's just, here's the facts about each one, and which is your personal preference in the way that you play, and that's why Warzone drags me back, because I like the way that it plays.
0: Yeah, I think Warzone offers you a more, I'll say traditional Battle Royale experience, where it's very... Point, click run go whereas apex gives you the rank system and has the abilities I, I definitely it's like the closest thing you can get i guess to in like an overwatch battle royale um so i think like obviously they offer two different experiences which is why i still enjoy both games like as much as i like to rage about warzone i think a lot of that's just burnout like we played it so much for so long that i, I think yeah. i just needed like the mental break that apex gives me um but i'm still going to convince you to play apex more because it's a great game and
1: it, it is—it's not a bad game. I'm still just, gonna
0: play a shit ton of Warzone with it, it, but sometimes. that's what we like to hear.
1: The uh, speaking of randomly to cap this one off, I think an Overwatch Battle Royale would be kind of fun. <laughs> I
0: yeah, that'd be sick. But also, you'd have like—I feel like everybody would just play Moira, like
1: like a damage
0: so. like a damage healer. I don't like.
1: But if you think about that from the the perspective of now, you have like multi-team fights. Like if you have a third party in the fight, like Moira is weak right like she like the vulnerability of like having somebody on at a different aspect angle from moira like while she's trying to you know like that that would be tough
0: yeah but also like moira gets you damage gives you heals like you can heal the whole team i mean I, we're I, both
1: moira mains in overwatch so i think we're both a little. when more we here, when i, I play healer
0: i'm a moira main i'm a dps well, sure. i'm a dps Fair but way. yeah I, I you know i think a lot of you know Apex both games lack like a, a great anti-cheat which I do think, you know, it's it's Apex is definitely making steps in the right direction and it seems they like have... Warzone's
1: finally going to implement one. What's the one with the bear logo? They have that, right? There's an anti-cheat that I think is already associated with Apex, I thought.
0: Um sort of it's not it's not the best. Like there's still cheaters that get through, but that's something that I actually do like about Apex is like I've seen I've been watching a ton of streams of it and you can beat cheaters in apex where it's so hard to beat a cheater in warzone
1: it is hard it is very hard like they're they just like i four said bullet a you the head. Deterrent for people is because it is almost uncontrolled like somebody could literally get banned for it too after they play for like half a day doing it and then just create a fucking other account step right back in and do it so yeah. there's no real deterrent at all to cheating in, in call of duty
0: yeah man uh, they're both great games i just would like to see I'm hopeful for Warzone. I would love to see them add a ranked playlist instead of just skill-based matchmaking. Like, if you're gonna put me against better players because I do well, at least let it be because I have a rank tied to my name. Like, I I see no reason not for a battle royale not to have that because it's very clear that I'm I'm playing the guys I'm playing because I'm very good. Like, we see it like when you and Dane play with after you've been playing with me a ton, you guys are dropping ten kills a game easy. Where it's like with me, it's like a lot of the times like we're scrapping by to get you know to 10 kills a piece the fights
1: are significantly more difficult when we we are all together for sure
0: yeah and that's just skill-based matchmaking being the way it is but if we knew that like like obviously there's some websites out there that have kind of showed you guys that you can kind of see like your hidden rank a little bit
1: yeah
0: where it's like i'm in the top five percent you guys are in the top like 15 percent like it just let me know that in game like just tell me i'm diamond one or whatever you want to call it and just let me know
1: yeah, I don't have a problem with them doing that, and I think it does alleviate a little bit of the. The unfortunate thing is that there are some people that no matter how you how much you play these games, you're never going to get like good per se. Yeah, and so it's unfortunate for them because, like, they it would help. I think it would help those people if they would if they did have like an attached like, hey, you're bronze, and like you're yeah. always going to be bronze, but like you're going to be competitive in bronze. So yeah,
0: that's I, what yeah, that's what Counter Strike did. I but, mean. There's, there's players who are hard stuck in a rank, and it's more often than not their personal skill rather than their team keeping them down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty hard to blame. Like, if you could never escape a rank, it's probably not just your team. <laughs>
0: and in Counter-Strike, it has defi- I've definitely seen it where there's guys with just insane individual skill, but just they solo queue and they do nothing else. And, like, eventually you're going to hit a plateau in there just oh, because... Okay.
1: It's, it can be tough too in like like in Overwatch like if you get all the way into bronze somehow like you just have like a bad day and you get into bronze. It can be hard to dig yourself out just because yeah. some people especially in, in Overwatch actually because people will get themselves to bronze intentionally yep. just so they can like warm up and fuck around with people and like they'll have like I'm blanking on the terminology what's the name for that? Smurf. smurf well accounts, that right? that's
0: yeah. that's just deranking but yeah, they'll have yeah. smurf accounts that are much lower ranks than their actual level just to have an easier time.
1: Yep. So there's that too, but that's a good one, man. What else you got? Anything else on that one?
0: That uh, That's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to see your opinion on it. Cause I know that I knew that you were more war zone heavy. I am. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, talk that out as opposed to our normal conversation of like, Hey, let's play apex. You know,
1: like, yeah, that's true. I think I just, I have always, I have always enjoyed ever since blackout. I have enjoyed the call of duty battle Royales a lot. And so for me, like that gaming experience is... I have a ton of fun playing it, I don't yeah. need to go away to something that I think is a little less fun to me. So I, I stick, sense. With, stick with the experience that I like. But nothing wrong with Apex. Good for all you Apex players. I'm glad you like it. Different experience. Thanks. Than me. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, man. I'm going to give this beer a rating, because I'm done with it, and then I'll go into my topic. Uh, so I will give this a it's tough because I think it's good but it really is kind of like a it's more of a light beer than anything in my opinion so I think it is a 7.1 I think it is a really good light beer I just think that there are a lot of like stouts and everything else like that that I would rank way above this but it's a good beer Yeah.
0: speaking of light beer make sure y'all go and check out the episode on youtube and now on both of the other platforms as well these uh, the uh, two episodes from last week are now live on all platforms so make sure you check those out where you see our light beer rankings um, that we have done to kind of go back to the old episode where we did a light beer tier list and kind of see how everything turned out there were some shockers in there to say the least so it's definitely you know take True. some time to check it out
1: and you can find a on any of our social medias. The link tree for uh, getting to our podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or here on the YouTubes, where we do it live every week. Now, like I said, back to Thursdays. Uh, And you can just follow us at number two ABG husbands on either uh, Facebook, Twitter, or sorry not, either Twitter or Instagram, and you can find us at uh, just at Two Average Husbands on Facebook as well. But I have a serious topic. All right. And you probably know exactly where I'm gonna go with this based on some conversations we've had in text. But I'm going to let you give your opinions first, and then I'll talk about my opinions a little bit too. And again, I I try not to get too politically charged uh, because I think it's not really worth... I try not to argue with people. It's not like that it's not worth having the conversation sometimes, which is exactly why I want to bring this one up because this is one of the ones where I've seen a lot of things getting said uh, on social media and shit. And it, it's one that I didn't... Um, I didn't feel like I should just let people say things that I knew were blatantly untrue. And so I... I would like to hear your opinion and kind of, like I said, I'll, I'll talk to mine a little bit too, but really I want to know as a whole, what are your opinions on what's going on with Afghanistan? Uh, what do you think about uh, the withdrawal, the way that we withdrew, uh, and what's going on inside the country? So kind of those three things.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, disheartening to see um, any strife going on around the world. Um, and But I think a lot of the blame is being... Misplaced on the current administration, um, especially on social media, you know, the former administration, the former president, he's the one who made an agreement with the Taliban to be out of Afghanistan by May first of 2021. This was going we'll to ha-
1: Christmas, but yeah.
0: i just the thing I pulled up real quick here. Just said uh, said that date. It may have changed after the
1: fact. It was really like the the promise was everything out by like end of the year. Yeah. But there were milestones along the way, but
0: yeah, this, this was going to happen like this ever since that was agreed upon, like this was almost an inevitable situation. If you look at any articles that discussed what was going on in Afghanistan prior, it's been a well, I don't want to say a well accepted fact, but a well understood fact that more than likely this current situation was going to happen sometime in the next six months to two years. Like this maybe the time frame was expedited a little bit by things that have happened recently we'll never know really um but you know this was going to happen one way or another and i think a lot of the blame is being falsely put on the current administration when these have been long-standing agreements from february of last year essentially that you know taliban prisoners were going to be released we were going to be coming back from You know we were going to be pulling troops out of the country and i think you know especially obviously you know the social media world that we live in now loves to place blame on one side or another and i think overall it's just you know we should be more concerned about the taliban and their actions as opposed to the way that our government handled leaving a country when we agreed to leave the country like i just the 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 blame's just I think being put in the wrong direction and there there's people being held accountable, quote unquote, that aren't that shouldn't be and there's people that aren't being held accountable that should be.
1: Yeah. Here's the big thing, like, uh, on the first part of my question, and that is like to tack on what you said too, I think people if you're going to be vocal about this in social media, I think do you need to do your due diligence is the big the big recommendation that I have. And I'm not going to proclaim to be a Middle Eastern conflict expert. I don't think that I am. I think that I have a a perspective, and I think that I have looked into it enough that I have an opinion that is based in um, real information. I think I have done my due diligence. So I would encourage people to do the same. Uh, But the big thing is, I think if people are going to criticize the administration uh, and buy into some of the... Uh, whether it be a news outlet or just like social media influencer that you follow some of the rhetoric that they're pushing out uh, I think you should look into the details of the withdrawal agreement from the Trump administration yourself I think there are a lot of details in there that people either weren't aware of or didn't care to look into or just kind of blindly trusted and There's a lot of things in there that people are talking about now that they're like Oh, I'm really uncomfortable with this and it's it are, it was things that like kind of like you alluded to that they were gonna happen inevitably um, they were things that were already happening in that administration um, one of them being like prisoner release like you said, that was a lot of that was negotiated within that uh, reduction in violence or not really a peace agreement more of a ceasefire agreement but really a reduction in violence agreement uh, and I say that because there was still fighting going on in the country after that, what everybody likes to refer to as like a peace agreement, but it wasn't truly a peace agreement it was a we want to pave the way to get out of the Middle East. And in order to do that, we need to see progress uh, in terms of cooperation within the country, right? We weren't gonna leave it in a state that we were afraid that people were going to just uh, be in an immediate state of war. That being said, I think it it was an inevitability that this was gonna happen. I have thought that for a long time and I I won't change my opinion really on that. I think I've been pretty vocal like amongst closer friends about that. I think whether we did it last year or two years from now i you can't change the values of a significant portion of the population and you also can't there's a there's an there's an ability uh there's an influence in afghanistan that's different than what the like a western country can control like england's influence in the in the middle east can't override what their values and everything are like they whether it be based in religion or just like from birth values, like their values are different than ours a lot of the time. Yeah. Not always, but they, in a lot of cases they are. And you can't really influence the core values of people and you can't change the motivations a lot of the time of people. And so we have spent, and this is, this is like the criticism, right? Is that we've spent almost two decades training people there and trying to, and you could argue that we've been trying to align them with Western values for a long time. Uh, but really what we've been trying to do is get them to be more independent and more democratic, frankly, right? So after 20 years of spending trillions of dollars and losing lives, there is no situation where you can say that, oh, if we would have waited three more months and stuck with Trump's original plan, they would have been set to go and they would have, this wouldn't have happened. It was going to happen. Yeah was it going to happen as fast? I don't know. W- could they have done a few more things to maybe make the transition better? Probably, I don't know. Yeah. That being said, no matter what this in my opinion, this was going to happen. The Taliban was going to retake Afghanistan and they were their their influence was so strong that it it was almost uncontested. And that was after supplying and training the Afghan army for 20 years almost. And so the fact it was going to happen. And so I think if you're gonna criticize the current administration, you really need to look at at what we've done there. Cause, and that's part of the problem too, right? Is people have been very quiet, I would say, about Afghanistan for the last five to 10 years. Since it's not, a, it's not a, as big of a conflict as it was back in the early 2000s. And so people have, it's not that people have forgotten that we're there, but people have kind of lost track of what's happening and so they fail to realize that, like we have, we put them in a place where we were confident that they could have defended themselves had they chosen to. But if you look in the news, there was very little resistance. Yeah. Like, this is like, you and you can't change that. You can't make a country have the motivation to resist a change in power if they don't want to. Yeah. And and so, for the people that are arguing this, I my my point really here is that we could have spent another 20 30 years there and i still think that the same thing would have happened we could have invested another five, six, seven, eight trillion dollars and i still think that it would have happened like you just can't change an entire country's mentality and expect them to align exactly with western values when that's not what they that's not the way they think yeah it's cultural to to an extent too and so i don't know it just bothers me when i see all these people like making this so political and acting like they are so informed. And just because they see a couple of, you know, rhetoric posts on the internet that are like, fuck the Democrats. They they're ruining this country or like, fuck this administration. They've made decisions that are going to ruin Afghanistan or, you know, fuck, fuck the way that they handle this because there's going to be all these refugees now. And it's like, yeah, it's horrible. I agree with you. But that doesn't mean that us staying there longer and investing more money, costing more lives, and taking taking more lives would have helped. Uh, it, and it probably wouldn't. And we're doing what we can. I think they do realize that it was hasty and they're trying to do what they can to get, to get refugees out. But my last like kind of comment on the first part of this is really, if you are a person that was pro-Muslim banned, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything about it. Just don't even talk about it. Because if I look back on your Twitter and I see that you said something about ban the Muslims, I'm going to, first of all, fuck you, you're a terrible person. But second of all, you better not be now saying, oh, these poor people from Afghanistan, we need to help them. Because the next sentence that you should have better be, I want these people to come to America as refugees so we can help them. And then the next thing that you should do is go back and delete your old fucking shitty tweets about how you supported a Muslim ban. (laughs) Because I don't want to fucking hear it.
0: Yeah, I think, so looking at this, this article that I pulled up, which is from fact, factcheck.org, pretty reputable source, and it's got kind of a timeline of everything. Like, I think the, the, the right, the, the far right, the alt-right, whatever you want to call them, who have been very critical of the, the m- more left-leaning or left side, they're critical at the speed at which we pulled our troops out of Afghanistan. And they're saying it, mm. we did it too quickly and blah, 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 blah.
1: Only after 20 years.
0: Yeah, here's a direct, uh, a press release from Donald Trump stating that he felt that the deadline that Biden sent for set for removal, which was September 11th, he felt that that was too long to stay in Afghanistan, that we should be out by May 1st like he had planned, mm-hmm. and that he even acknowledges in his statement, he's like, I know that the Taliban is going to take back over once the troops are out of there. But... If we stay there for, you know, we've been there for 21 years. If we keep staying there, it's just going to, we're going to be there for another 50. Mm -hmm. So you can't be so critical of the current administration when the former, whatever you want to call him president, they're like leader in arms for a lot of people, the way that they look at him, you know, when he was even saying we need to get out of there quicker, like. It's just crazy how quickly narratives get spun in the current world, and how incorrect those narratives constantly get proven to be. And that happens on both sides. I fully admit that it happens from the left to the right. Just you know, I won't say just as frequently, but fairly frequently as well. And it's just it's it's just kind of a a proof that while we can tell people to do their own research and we can tell people to actually look into things like. So few people are going to do that and then the research that they do look into is terrible research because they don't know where to look.
1: Like yeah, and a lot of it's one sided, like people will go to they won't find a balance in the media that they're looking into. They won't like look at a Fox News article and also look at a CNN article or an MSNBC or whatever. You know, they it's all one way or the other. And that's that's guilty on both sides for sure.
0: One of my other uncles, not Uncle Kyle, but one of my other uncles, he put it best when he said it's sad that to find like legitimate news about what's going on in the US and like a legitimate analyst of it, you have to look outside of the U.S.
1: Oh yeah, like oh, you have BBC to go to like time, BBC. You have argue to argue to be left-leaning too, but that's
0: fine. you you have to look at all of these outside, like external international sources to find something that's quite frankly like unbiased. Like it's so hard to find a true unbiased
1: source, and it's yeah. It's Even so- if you go outside the U.S., it could be hard to get unbiased, but at least it's a different bias. Yeah, like at least you're seeing multiple sides of an argument, you know, like even like a left-leaning person in England is probably a different perspective than a left-leaning person in the United States. You know what I mean? right. so, like, at least it's different.
0: Yeah. It's just, you know, it, like we, like we both kind of alluded to at this point, like this, this situation was going to happen no matter what. And now it's on the, on the onus of, Hey, maybe let's stop fucking fighting within our own country right now. And maybe let's just actually be willing to open our doors and help people. Like that's yeah. what the past like four years, five years at this point has been really shitty with is it's like everybody just wants to be right and everybody wants to pick a side and just dig their Dude. haunches in and stick to that side. And they're too unwilling to be compassionate enough to care about situations going on around the world. Like I, you hear it all the time where it's like people say if you don't like the U.S. then just leave well, why can't these people come from other countries? Just they don't like it. So why don't they just leave? Yeah. Real weird. Real weird how that dynamic works.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's not even that too. It's like, there's, there's a pointed effort to incite uh, emotions from people, I would say. And like, you know, get the, say the most, um, you know, I don't even know how to put it specifically, I guess, but say the most, blatant thing that you can on one side or the other in order to incite a reaction on like social media right like you want the twitter like so i need to say the this thing that's going to incite a reaction from people because it's funny when you look back right and i've seen the examples like memes and shit all over the internet right now of people that had said like get us out of afghanistan now and then that was like three months ago right and then you see their tweet from yesterday and it's why did we withdraw from afghanistan so quickly but they're just doing things because they know it's like pop words and like shit like that that's going to connect with people or get people riled up or you know and it's it's silly and that's why i said like don't don't see a tweet or see a something or you know any one thing and go oh now i'm i'm angry because i've seen one person's opinion like go and just do a little bit of due diligence even if you have to look at multiple people's opinions like on the same side maybe that's better than nothing i'd i'd recommend you look outside of the same bias but it's just frustrating. And and like one of the comparables too, right? Is like, if you look at Vietnam, like imagine if we would have stayed in, in Vietnam for 20 years. Yeah. You can't change the culture. We were fighting against a, a losing fight because although there was a divide within Vietnam, right? There was um, two very different schools of thought, I would say. Uh, you still can't force half of a country to suddenly change and become aligned with Western values. Same thing with Korea, right? You know, you can't just force people to change their cultural beliefs their um you know their values and make them suddenly align with what we want and be like oh yeah i'm gonna be a democracy tomorrow and i'm gonna do all of the things that you do like you just can't do that and to think that we can and thinking that throwing money and lives at it is gonna make a difference is is silly like we just and a lot of people are saying you know like we have to stop getting involved in other people's wars and it's it's true you can't you can't just jump into a civil war between two people and think that somehow they're gonna value your influence. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, like you're gonna pick a winning side that you think is gonna win, and at the end of the day, as soon as you stop fighting on the the winning side, there's still gonna be people in there. They're gonna like say we had demolished the Taliban down to like two hundred people, right? And then we leave. Guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna recruit. Yeah, yep. they're, they're gonna recruit, build back up. They're gonna and... recruit and they're eventually gonna go back and try to fight for what they believe in within their own country too. So yep. you just can't think that you can change the scope of an entire country and it doesn't matter like the time or the money that you put into it you can i don't know do it It, it's different when there are different ways than throwing combat at a place to try to help you know like allowing refugees to come from afghanistan is one way or um, humanitarian efforts like the un like there's things that you can do that aren't just let's go fucking kill people and try to hope that it helps because at that point too, you do radicalize other people in a sense too. If you're like, you know, you go into Afghanistan and there's a family of ten people and you kill their fucking dad because he was a Taliban fighter. Well, now you've probably incited a new generation of Taliban. Yeah, so, like it's
0: it's an it's an it's a lose lose scenario no matter how you look at it. Like you're either either you succeed in changing a country and then like you said like generations of people are mad at you from that aspect or you do it you fail then everybody on our side of the of the fight is then upset with you for wasting all these time and lives and money like it's why people were so against like the Vietnam war for so long is it's like we went there we spent all this money we lost all of these lives and we just we had to pull out because like we like you're saying like it, it was just a lose-lose battle like we just picked a point where we were just like all right we're done wasting you know these valuable resources in money and human lives and like there's just so there's so many other things that we have to worry about right now whether that's coronavirus whether that's economical issues whether that's racial injustice whether that's other social justice issues like there's so many things that are already causing such strife within the world. Like, why are we so apt to want to be fighting and losing human lives? Like, it's just, it makes yeah. no sense to me.
1: And the thing, too, right, is that you can't um, you can't look at a, any one of these conflicts and think that, like, the public is going to be ignorant of what's going on because ever since Vietnam being one of the, you know, the, the big examples of this or, like, really the first example of this is the televised – combat, because really prior to Vietnam, you didn't have, you didn't see it at home on TV, and then you started to in Vietnam, and moving forward, like, now there is a lot more coverage of what's truly happening in these combat zones, and people don't really support it anymore, like, and you obviously saw that in Vietnam, like, people don't want to see the violence and the death and everything that, that happens, and so you lose the support of, of your own people when you try to do this, or at least a lot of them, and so, like, unless... know dude like unless there's some sort of i don't know it's hard to justify because really like you're not going to get to a point right where you're going to win over uh like i would say the the war is not an answer is probably a much more popular opinion now than get out there and fucking bomb them and kill them you know what i mean like there's just like let's go get involved in somebody else's civil war and americans are gonna die like people people aren't gonna rally behind that concept so
0: and it's also you know kind of with that concept there's a legitimate argument to be made that at any given point in time if the united states wanted to wipe pretty much every country off the face of the earth we could and there's a reason why we don't like yeah because they it'd be it'd, be fucked up <laughs> yeah it'd be fucked up but also like you have to consider that like If that happens, like you're going to create such civil, like even more civil strife here than already occurs. Like it's, it's war is always going to be a losing proposition, no matter how you look at it. The only time war has ever been beneficial was the fact that like war has had helped the economy after the Great Depression. Like that's really like the only benefit that's ever come out of war. And what did that cost? That cost millions and millions of human lives. Like there's no, good reason to be in a war everybody should just live their lives just be happy stop focusing so much on power and all this other bullshit that doesn't matter like guess what if if america's the greatest country in the face of the earth cool it's not going to change my day-to-day life it's not going to change after i die it doesn't matter what like where america ranked in the world like it just it doesn't matter we're very we're, utopian
1: of you but uh, it's just i get what you're saying
0: like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a more, you know, it's an extreme way to put it, but, like, that stuff doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if we have the biggest army. I don't care if we're the most powerful country in the entire world. Like, as long as I'm able to live my life the way that I want to live my life and my family's healthy and my family's happy and my friends are healthy and happy, like, that's really what matters to me. Like, I'm not going to – I'm never going to be an elitist who's going to be, like, if you don't like America, fuck you, like – it's just it's so dumb. Like there's so much extra bullshit that happens for no reason and I, we've kind of gone way off topic at this point, um, from the original starting topic, but I think that kind of like Yeah. It it's all connected in a way because like it starts off with all of this politicized drama that occurs, you know, when any whenever anything happens across the world and it doesn't like it always goes to a place that it doesn't need to go. Like we just there's more people who need to just focus on living their lives and guess what? A lot of people's lives are probably going to be a lot better if they stop giving a shit that Trump lost the election and if they stop giving a shit that Hillary lost in 2016 and if they stop giving a shit that fucking John McCain lost in 2012 like lives are going to be so much better if you if you let politics be what it is like we already know what it is we already know how it's going to work like care about the election, cool? And then once it's done, you're not going to go back in time. You can't go back in time and change it. So just Accept what's going on, live your life the way that you need to live it right now, and just be happy.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you, and you're kind of dabbling towards another topic that I have for a different time, but the big thing is is like formulate your own opinions, do some research, do due diligence, and don't just take a, like a high rhetoric or an inflammatory post off of anything and let it immediately influence your emotions, because you need to do some critical thinking and figure out your own opinions rather than just react, and uh, I think that's important for everybody. Um, regardless of the topic, whether it be political or otherwise. uh, My one parting shot is for everybody that keeps saying that the Democrats are at fault for all this, I I would encourage you to look back in history and look at how the Taliban visited the White House and who was in charge when that happened and, uh, you know, the funding of the Taliban from the United States. That's just a parting shot for those people that are very critical of the current administration. But uh, do your due diligence there, too, and understand history a little bit and what has happened in the Middle East. That's all I've got. We don't have to talk about it forever. I was just curious on your opinions, and um, I wanted to encourage people to think before they react
0: yeah i think that's that's the key takeaway here like this every fact that i pulled up about who essentially was originally leading this charge out of afghanistan was a very quick google search it didn't take a lot of time it's a reputable source it's a it's a source that i know to be just very non-biased like there's a lot of ways that this could go down and people are just choosing to to go about it all the wrong way. So like Kyle's saying, just like do your due diligence and just understand what you're looking at before you take it as fact.
1: Yep. I'm going to dabble into my second beer. I forgot to crack it before that topic. Probably good. It was a serious topic. I should be ready for that and uh, be level-headed, I guess. But my second beer is going to be the Salt River Salt and Lime Arizona Lager. I'm kind of excited for this, but I'm also nervous. It's from the historic brewing company, by the way. That sounds delicious. It sounds really good, which makes me nervous because a lot of the times when I've had these ones where I'm like, damn, that sounds good. It's disappointed me, so I don't want to get hyped up and then disappointed, but I'm hoping for the best. Yeah.
0: That sounds great. I I am hoping that I feel back up to it next week because I've got a lot of really good beers in my fridge that I'm really, really excited to crack into, but... We will also doubt. there's
1: fifty-four beers left from our light beer drinking that I'm gonna to have to force people to help me drink when I do a draft day in person coming up. But
0: yeah, I, uh, most of my beer made its way to the softball tournament. Sadly, a lot of it came back with me, so it, it too is gonna to be brought to the next draft that I have. So, uh,
1: right on, man. Give us your second topic. Let's talk about it.
0: All right, much lighter topic. Definitely uh, quite the uh, transition off of your last topic. But, I wa- hey, you know what? That's why we do this podcast, man. It's fun to talk about super deep stuff and then follow it up with, like, super Truly, light. nothing's off
1: limits here at Two Average Husbands. We'll talk yeah. about anything. Throw, exactly. Throw the, throw the comments in the – or throw the uh, suggestions in the comments. We'll talk about pretty much everything.
0: Yeah. Literally pick anything. But I want to know. I want to kind of hear you and I – we have very similar tastes, I think, when it comes to our fandoms uh, for certain genres or certain series out there. Um, well even if we're not like totally aligned, like we do have fandoms very specifically in a couple specific fields. I want to know what do you think is the ultimate fandom that you can be a part of, and why do you think it's that way?
1: That's an interesting question. I think you are talking about like like a movie. F- like fan base or right or like a you know, like a, a series you know like am i understanding your question correctly yeah like let me throw an example out there like the harry potter world like fandom right? yeah okay. yeah
0: so the, but that's part of it but also do you think like in your like that could be one uh, like one option for people but also there's sports fandom there's yeah fandom of like you know like the tiktokers like they have their own fandom that they're built like celebrity fandom like what do you feel like yeah is your favorite that you're involved in, and why do you think that is the my way it is? My
1: favorite. Okay, I thought you said, like, what do you, I think is the biggest one? But what do I think is my favorite? No, if,
0: we, if we're talking about the biggest one, it's it's BTS. It's those K-pop those stars. I was just going to say, K-pop, stars. K-pop
1: and or anime, I think probably have the, yeah. uh, some of the biggest followings, like, from a cultural standpoint, or, like, really, you could go to, like, The Magic, The Gathering. Yeah. Because that is still massive. And anyway, but fandom-wise, for me, I think... So, truly, I've invested the most time as a Star Wars universe fan fan person. however <laughs> you want to word that. Fanboy. Yeah, fanboy, I guess. Because I think, like, honestly, so I've spent the most time over the course of my life either reading the books, watching the movies, uh, or watching some of the animated series or whatever. I've invested a shitload of time of my life into watching Star Wars or reading it or playing games even, right? So I think that would have to be my top one that I am invested in. But that's tough too because, like, that has changed since I was younger even. Um, I, would, I think I have to just say that, though. Like, I don't think I could deviate from that and be honest about me yeah. thinking that there's something else that I'm more invested in because that, that has to be it.
0: Yeah, for me, it's definitely uh, my fandom of the Chicago Cubs. Um, that's the, the clear winner for me. Um, That's at least in sense of the one that I'm the most involved in. And I think that's just because I have been such a baseball fan for my entire life. And the Cubs have always been my team. And I've always been just so I love the way that they have played the game. I love a lot of the things that they've done. And I think why I enjoy it so much, too, is because it's something that I can relate to. Like while I can relate a lot to movie fandom and music fandom and, you know, video games and and anime and all of these other topics, like, I am so heavily involved in a lot of them. Um, When it comes to, like, my sports fandom, like, I played this sport basically daily for 15 years of my life, and I think, like, just because of that, like, I connect so much into it, like, I can't, I listen to music every single day, but I listen to so many different genres. I watch movies and TV all the time, but I'm constantly switching around, like, if a Cubs game is on, that's the game I want to watch. Like, and I think that that's been hard for me to beat. Like, everything else, my interests have kind of always jumped around. But, like, that's the one that's truly never even slightly faded.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm saying with Star Wars, too, is, like, I there are times when I'm, like, I haven't watched Star Wars in a while or I haven't read a Star Wars book. But at the same time, I'm that's the one I go back to. Right. Which is why I say that's the primary one for me. Because, like, video games, right? Like, I play video games all the time. Uh, the specific game that I'm playing changes, so I wouldn't like. That's why I like I say like categorically like my fandom of video games is a little bit too broad to say that that is like my biggest fandom thing. Like I enjoy playing them, but but you also don't very, like. I can be very specific about Star Wars.
0: Like I I also think like you have to think of like the the whole like fan fanboy fan girl girling aspect of it. You know, however you want to say that, where it's like you can get so enamored with like things that they do. Like you have a Star Wars tattoo. Like. You do, you don't have a Call of Duty tattoo. You don't do have a, a tattoo of your computer. You don't have an do Xbox not. tattoo or a PlayStation tattoo. Like you don't
1: yeah, that's true. You,
0: like that's a level of fandom that you can have with Star Wars. You can connect to it so deeply. Whereas I think like yes. you definitely can have it with other other fields there. But like yeah. I love Call of Duty. I'm probably never gonna get a Call of Duty tattoo. I, will I say that, that and I'm
1: kind of cringy.
0: I said it and then I was like maybe I will. I don't know. But like
1: I wouldn't oh god I, please don't especially I, if it was just like the fucking like a logo oh my no, god, no 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 no. it logo. wouldn't be
0: like that it'd be something like it'd be more in like the story or more like lore based or i've got yeah, i don't know sure. i said it and then now i've got a couple ideas and i'm gonna think around with it. i want to oh, start god. getting a lot more tattoos and that's uh, a different uh, conversation uh, that we're gonna yes have at some is. point yes, um but you know i think like when the cubs do well like i'm so into my cub fandom and like even when they're <laughs> shit like the cubs suck right now and I talk so much shit about the Cubs right now because I love the Cubs that much that I don't love that they're doing the fucking stupid bad shit they're doing right now. Hey, the like,
1: Cardinals are better than the Cubs, so
0: you're welcome. Bro, everybody's fucking better than the Cubs right now. We're a triple-A roster playing Major League Baseball games. It's a joke.
1: <laughs> well, you guys just traded everybody away, so...
0: Rebuild, baby. Um, but yeah, I like I, I just think like that's why it is for me. I do think the most impactful fandom... like. Nate, kind of, I'll say worldwide. I think the fandom that people have with music is probably the biggest, in my opinion.
1: I okay,
0: I'm gonna say that just because I hear so many stories of musicians that have people coming to them and talking about how the music changed their life or the music saved their life, or
1: you know, I think if you say music as a category then you could probably make that argument. Yeah. I think the problem is, is the fandoms are so much more niche than that, where you have like Ariana Grande fandom, or you have BTS fandom, right? Like you have, the categories get so much more specific than music. So like, the same argument can be made for anime, right? But like, you talk about things like Magic the Gathering, or you talk about, um, I mean, even if you look at just, Uh, BTS right like as a as a single entity like those fandoms are so much bigger than the average like musical artist yeah so I I think there's I get what you're saying but I I slightly disagree I
0: I just think with like keeping it broad with music I think every single person that you talk to can probably mention a time where music impacted their life super heavily and I yeah, don't know sure. if you can say the same about TV shows or movies or video games or anything like that. Mm. Like, I feel like any person that Sorry. I could ask, like, which art form has been most impactful in your day to day life, and I think a majority of people would probably say music.
1: It'd be uh, Uncle Kyle says that he knows a great tattoo shop, and Carly also commented and said, "Go Cubbies." Uh, so I'm interested to hear what Carly's number one fandom thing is, or any of you guys in the comments can feel free to tag in here and talk, talk to you guys us about your guys as well, but. Uh, from the music perspective, too, like I just I don't um, I don't disagree with you, but I do think you would find I think you would be surprised at how many people don't connect as much with music as what you're thinking. Like I think there are probably people that connect a lot more with a a specific series or a specific universe, yeah, than music. And I um, I, th- I think you'd be hard pressed to to get a clear majority from music as the art form for most people definitely fair. I have no data to back me on this whatsoever. So, I'm just guessing.
0: I'm going to use my data in saying that pretty much everybody listens to music and I'm going to call that as a W and and put this one in the win pocket for me. But sure. it's not a competition. I just kind of wanted to see, you know, what your opinion on it was just cuz I felt yeah, like absolutely. You, I felt like music was, you know, kind of the number 1 out there, but I you could make a lot of really good arguments there, you, you know, athletics is huge for a lot of people. Um <laughs>
1: Carthage, i in the comment and said, cats, cats are, yeah, number really animal, great.
0: animals, like animal, you know, welfare, animal well yeah. um, which my brain just jumped to another topic for another week. Make sure I'm gonna make sure to write that one down. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of really good arguments to be made out there for a lot of them. And I just felt like when I thought of this question, that music was like the number one here where it's like, there's so many people who have been impacted in so many ways. And like, even from artists, like you wouldn't, anticipate it like you listen to some bands who are like their music's about like partying and everything like that and a lot of people like credit that with saving their life because they realize how cringy the lifestyle they were living was like yeah it's there's there's so many unique ways that i think music can impact that i i personally don't find other art forms to impact the same way
1: sure i i get that i think you are I don't think you're wrong on your perspective, but I do think you you would be surprised when you would hear probably some other people uh, oh, talk yeah, about Oh yeah. For sure. But with that being said, what else you got for fandom? Cuz I will happily move on to my next one because you have it's still a topic that was already on my list, but I'm happy to transition now because I know exactly what topic I'm going to talk about.
0: Hey, let's transition. If you I, I just want like I said, I just kind of wanted to talk about it real quick, so let's see what you got.
1: Yeah, and Carly just Grant uh, popped up too as well in the comments and said like music, and I don't disagree with this at all. And she's she's just reiterating with with on your side that music has helped her in a lot of tough situations. And I think, I think every most people would probably agree that there has been a time in their life where music w- Im- impacted them in a very serious way. I just don't know that you would find that people would say that that it has been like their biggest fandom or their most influential over their entire life.
0: I can, yeah, I can see where you're coming from,
1: but. Let's transition to the final topic, which is, I want to know what is the worst concert you've ever seen in your life and what is the best concert that you've ever seen in your life.
0: All right, the worst concert is very easy for me to come to. Uh, It's Country Thunder a few years ago, Toby Keith. This man was so drunk (laughs) that he fucked up the words to Red Solo Cup while all of our drunk asses in the audience... We're singing along. He's, he's like, jumping around chorus, like, verse to verse. Like, he's singing the wrong part at the wrong part. It was so bad. And, like, he sounded fine, but, like, you could tell he was clearly, like, really fucked up. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't say that he was drunk. Maybe it was other substances. Maybe he was just having a bad day. But, like, if this is the most iconic song that you have probably ever put out, and for a field of 10,000 drunk people to be able to sing it better than you are at that
1: moment, like... Dude, he's probably just enjoying the fucking party of country thunder as much as the audience was.
0: <laughs> I get that though. Like I we've had music artists like for, my friends and I have done shots with music artists who were playing that night. Like there's plenty of musicians who enjoy the party of country thunder. Like there's literally been people who I forget what artist it was. It might have been Luke Bryan, but he like got brought in in a helicopter and was like hovering over the parties and like hanging out with people that way. Like there's been so many like people who have done that but it was just it was so disheartening because as everybody around us was just looking at each other like are you serious right now like yeah you're closing your set with red solo cup and you just butcher it yep oh i don't know if i'll ever get over it i don't know if i ever will all
1: right i will cut off you there and cut you off there because words are hard and talk about my worst first before i go to we go to the best then so my worst also a country artist alan jackson hmm. and it's it's funny because i feel a little bit bad uh, because i don't think this guy watches our podcast though but maybe he will someday but it's a, a an old friend of mine from back in the day he had like an extra ticket and like offered it to me and like took me there like just being like a nice friend and like took me for free to this concert and it was so bad so like the the few of us too like i still have a picture i think if you go way back on my instagram there's a picture of a bunch of beer on um, like a bunch of bush light cases that we ended up uh we stuffed like we stuffed boots, pants, fucking underwear, belt lines with beer because they didn't. Uh, they they served beer there, but it was like super expensive. Right. And they we're all like broke college students, so we snuck like an entire thirty rack into the fucking concert with us, and we were all sitting there drinking, like ready to have a good time, like super excited. And Alan Jackson just sat on a fucking like wooden stool, uh, on the stage the whole time. It was just like he. Di- it just seemed like he didn't want to be there. Yeah. It was like. And I don't know what I expected, I guess. And at the time, honestly, I wasn't even, like, a massive country fan. I think I had made the transition where I wasn't, like, the guy that said, like, fuck country, I hate country anymore. But I was still, like, maybe not a massive fan. And that probably contributed to my experience. But I just remember being like, holy fuck, this is bad. And halfway through the concert, we all, like, looked at each other and were like, you guys want to go to the bar? (laughs) And we all just (laughs) fucking walked out. We just went to the bar. And just, we had a way better time. Like, I don't even know if we went to, like, a country bar or anything. We just went to a bar so we could have a better time than we were having at that yeah. concert because it was so bad. That's rough. By yeah. far my worst concert that I've ever been to. I,
0: I think I can say that I've been fairly lucky and haven't gone to a ton of bad concerts. Like, I'm, I, I would really struggle to think of another concert that I went to where I was like, this is just, this sucks. Like, yeah i really can't think of another one like there's been other ones that i've gone to that i personally just didn't enjoy just like i didn't love the artist or like other things were going on that i just didn't enjoy it like we saw old dominion at the sandwich fair which is a big fair um, in central illinois a few years ago and like the set was fine the music like they played well they sounded good but it was just like i don't know i just didn't love it i didn't love my experience at that show um But for me, if I'm thinking of like, you know, transitioning to the other part of your topic and kind of thinking about the best concert that I've been to, that one's definitely a little bit harder. I think I probably have to say it's a tie. I think the best experience that I personally have had at an individual concert was, uh, Jess, myself and some other of our friends went and saw Thomas Rhett and Brett Eldridge. we saw them in um rosemont and it was a phenomenal show and it was just so so upbeat like the both all of the sets were amazing that day that once the the main sets were over like those two sat on the stage and did like this really cool medley of songs for the rest of the night, and it was just like such a unique experience that you don't get at a lot of shows. And they specifically did it because it was like the last night of the tour. Like they had Anthony Rizzo come out, they had a couple they had a couple other athletes from Chicago come out as part of the concert, too. Like, just overall, the experience itself was so cool. And then I think the concert that I've been to where it was legitimately like multiple artists, where every single one of the artists just impressed me to no end. It was another country show at Rosemont, kind of, you know, the exact same place, Um, but it was Mitchell Tenpenny, Ryan Hurd, Rachel Womack, and Brandon Lay, and, like, every single one of them were debuting new music, or they were artists that I, you know, two, uh, Ryan Hurd, Mitchell Tenpenny, I was super familiar with, but the other two I wasn't overly familiar with, but it's, like, every song that they played, like, just was so great, and, like, Rachel Womack, she played a song where every single person in there, like there might not have been a person that wasn't crying by the time this song was over. Like it was so good. And everybody on stage was even like, this is like going to be the biggest song that you ever produce, like like that you ever make. Like it's just, it was that good of a song. And just like hearing like Mitchell Tenpenny's vocals are some of my favorite, he's one of my favorite singers in all of music, not just the country genre. And so like to hear him acoustic, just like truly belting these songs and enjoying them. And, Even though it was, uh, you know, kind of like you're talking about with your Alan Jackson show, like it's just four people sitting on stage on stools with guitars, like, but it was just like the way that they interacted with each other, the way they played off of each other was so great. And I just, it was, it's hard to beat that experience because it was such like an intimate experience that I got to enjoy with 5,000 other people or however many people fit in Rosemont, a thousand, whatever it is.
1: Did you just reminded me of one and i maybe carly is still listening and can chime in in the comments but carly and i went to a concert one time and it was in like i think part of it was just the venue was so bad and it's not the worst concert that i've ever been to but it was pretty bad and it was like a a rapper and i'm trying to remember what the fuck his name was he was kind of like a wannabe like mac miller type i think but i can't i, I honestly can't remember and i could probably find pictures from when we went to that concert too but if i can't if i'm remembering right we left that concert early too because it was just like one of those situations where it was a super shitty venue. It was in like an old high school gym that they had converted into like a, we're going to make this a concert venue, but it yeah. absolutely wasn't. It was fucking trash, but they like blasted the music so that it was like painful to even listen to. Terrible concert as well. That being said, I, like you, have can say that honestly, a majority of my concert experiences have been positive Uh, rather than you know negative so i've had those two that i can kind of like pop out as being really really bad um but then there's so many that have been great um and that being said too like the the interesting thing is that like if you go to like a festival like any any genre of music festival i think the experience and the atmosphere at those places enhance the the individual performance as well and make you feel so like riot fest right like i've had amazing times at riot fest uh but specifically one band which has also appeared at riot fest Against Me has been one of my favorite shows of all time. Like, I love going there. I'm connected to the music. I have a great experience. I think they put on a good show. And so uh, it is definitely one of my top concerts of all time. And I've, I've seen them three times now for that reason. Like, I just, I love the atmosphere and I love the music. So I, I love going and seeing Against Me play. Um, but on another note, uh, I think one of the other ones that I'm hard-pressed to, like, argue with is I think, and you already mentioned this too, but Luke Bryan, I've seen him now twice as well, I think also puts on a really good show like yeah. he connects with the crowd the music is like you know it's it's all his songs are like pretty catchy and he like plays like the like the really catchy ones at the concerts too so yeah. i had a really good time and like little big town i've seen live and they put on like a really, really good, good show too so like i've been to some really good ones but like the one that i keep going back to obviously has been against me like i go out of my way to try to go to their concerts because i not only do i love the music but i love the experience of being at their shows or concerts whatever you want to call them so
0: You talking about Riot Fest made me think of another one that was bad from Riot Fest, and that was Taking Back Sunday, and it's not that their show was bad, bad. their set list was just, like, they were playing an album that, like, you could tell that everybody there was, like, there to listen to their hits, like, we wanted to hear Cute Without the E cut from the team, we wanted to hear Make Damn Sure. Woody
1: Helen, there you go. I, really like Hood, probably,
0: I like I like Cody Allen. I've seen him before and it was good. We obviously
1: paid to go to a concert because we thought Cody Allen would be good, and it was so bad.
0: I'm gonna blame it on the venue because um, oh, I bad. I saw him and I thought it was I had a great time at his show, but um, but yeah, that was just a bad Taking Back Sunday set. But I like I have so many honorable mentions of like really really good shows that I've been to, like. My uncle uh, was the tour manager of Bowling for Soup for a long time so I've yeah, seen I've seen them a few times and they've always put on really good shows. Kind of the same thing. They connect with the crowd. They know what songs the crowd wants to hear and, and they play to that um, very did well. Did the village
1: people put on a better show at fucking Riot Fest? They did. <laughs> they fucking, did. Back sight they,
0: fucking <laughs> they did. That's not even a joke, which is the crazy part. Like that's that's just so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Bowling for Soup's always been good. I've seen Drake a couple times. He puts on really good shows. Um, a lot of the country artists do. I mean, Thomas Rhett always, always a great show. Um, Jess went to one. I can kind of speak on her behalf, um, which was uh, Dylan Scott, another country artist. You may, you'll probably, you may be familiar with him, You may not be. I'd have
1: to see some songs or hear some songs too. The name doesn't pop off the page of me.
0: But he was just on stage and was just saying like. The douchiest things, and Jess was like, "This was so bad." Like, I forget. I, I wish, I remembered what song it was. But there's a song where it was like, I don't know. He made like the line in the song about him, and just said it in like the cringiest way possible. It was just really bad. Um, but also, that show was where she got introduced to Hardy, who's one of my favorite country artists right now. So it's like there's still some benefits to that show as a whole. Just his performance was bad.
1: Dude, one but, of the really good things about like festival type places too, when you go to those, is you there. There's always downtime. Like if there's multiple stages or whatever, or yeah. there's bands that like you're like, oh, I don't really want to see any of these people. And so you just kind of like walk around and check out new bands. And like the exposure that you get sometimes introduces you some some, some great shows as well. Like yeah. there's a there's a, a recurring artist now at Riot Fest. I think we were there the first time they played there, but it's the band's called Radkey, mm-hmm. and we had a ton of fun watching. Them. Yeah, they put on a really good show. They like. There's a lot of energy with their music too and they they connected with the crowd really well and I don't know it was an unknown band to me at the time the first time I saw right. them back in like 2012 or whatever the fuck it was but they they were a ton of fun and we had a great time connecting with that band too and so I think there's something to be said about like you said like venues can actually make or break some concerts and they can really change the atmosphere I think the Hoodie Allen concert would have been bad in a good venue though too to be honest like that was just a really bad performance so Yeah. And you know what? It just, it
0: is that way sometimes. Like, it's just, it's inevitably going to be that way. But I do agree that I think festivals are phenomenal places to discover music, which I think a lot of people don't look at them that way. Like, I think a lot of people look at festivals as like a three or four day party, which it is. Don't get me wrong. It definitely is. But, like, you know, some great, great artists that are up and coming, like, end up being the openers for people. And it's like, I have no idea who this person is, and then four years later, it's like yep. they're one of the biggest yep. acts in the genre. It's
1: dude, that it's was r- one of the interesting things. One of the first concerts I ever went to is an Avenged Sevenfold Shinedown concert, and I think at the time, Shinedown was opening for Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, and I think Shine put on like a way better performance, and it was just like, what the fuck? Like, this yeah, they, is they were crazy. like
0: the biggest name in alternative rock for a few years there. Like, I yeah. went to we, my my parents took us to. It was I forget who the opening band was, but then it was like um, Five Finger Death Punch and Shine Down was the headliner, yeah. like and it's just like the I think Skillet might have been on that show Skillet too. Skillet is
1: almost always touring with them. I
0: swear. Yeah, but it's just it was like again, it's one of those things where it's like you think of that on paper and it's like Five Finger Death Punch, like a lot. It's a band that a lot of people think of as super cringy, and I get definitely where people are coming from with that, but it's like. They put on a damn good show live where it's almost like you don't care that it's kind of cringy.
1: It's funny that you bring them up specifically because I, when I was working at a bar in college one time, one of my buddies, uh, my buddy Ryan, I was with him. We were just having some drinks one night. I, I was off that night. And we were sitting there just drinking and chit-chatting with some of our friends. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people walk up like to the bar and start ordering drinks. And my buddy's like, hey, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And he's like, dude, that's all the members of Five Finger Death Punch. And they were just at this bar, like, right next to us. And I was like, oh, that's fucking nuts. Like, Like, I know their music. I would have never recognized them, but he just happened to know exactly who they were. And I think he ended up snapping a couple pictures with them or whatever that night, and they were pretty chill people. But it was just, like, crazy that the bar was, like, almost empty. And all of a sudden, just five-finger just rolls in is right next to us. It was kind of cool.
0: So I looked it up. So the other two bands that were on that show were 6AM, which is Nikki Six's new band. Um, And then As Lions, which I don't – I haven't listened to them since, but I do remember that they put on a good concert that day, for what it's worth um but yeah man it's crazy like it's also crazy to like go back and look at these concerts that i've been to and like realize that there were some like at the time there were bands that played that like i just didn't care about but then like if you were to tell me that i saw their concerts now i'd be like oh shit nice good on me
1: i wish i could remember too because I, I know that the like the opener opener for this concert back in the day was like somebody that oh it was saving abel that's what it was and like everyone was like nobody gives a fuck about this dude like you should have seen it It it's so funny because like nobody cared to see them at all but they were pretty big names still at the time and i remember when we got there like to we got there like right before uh shinedown was supposed to go on or whatever and the line outside was massive because nobody had gone to the fucking saving able opener at all so there's everybody's waiting outside to get in for shinedown it was hilarious
0: oh man i love live music and i'm so ready to get to some concerts again
1: Dude, I was going to say that, too. I'm so sad. Like, seeing the lineup for uh, Riot Fest this year, it makes me so sad that I can't be there. Just because, well, I mean, obviously, I could be there. But COVID is, in my opinion, it's not worth it to go during COVID and try to catch fucking COVID to see these live bands when I can catch them another time. But there is a crazy good lineup that, uh, this year. It's also just
0: like, really expensive to go there. Like, screw COVID side. Like, screw that side of things, obviously. But it's also, like, I can't find a ticket. Like,
1: You can't right now. They sold out can't. very quickly because and you have to imagine right like everything got canceled in 2020 so everybody's like bum rushing to get out there and see live music again yeah so i'm I'm not surprised at all that riot sold out super early yeah i really wanted to go and it actually like it makes it a lot um more accessible when you guys like live in fucking the area ish yeah (laughs) like for me it is significantly more expensive to try to come out for riot fest now but i still would love to be there and i'm hoping next year life is a little bit closer to normal outside of the the pandemic realm and I can get back out there and see. Because even from the experience alone, even if I looked at the set list and I didn't think it was as good as, or the band list next year and didn't think it was as good as this year, I'd still probably try to go.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, it's a great experience. You know, go to music festivals if you haven't. Um, Well, even like, I guess that there's even been some changes to the lineup since I last looked at it. It looks like... um, Oh, where did that just go? I just lost it. One of the uh, Nine Inch Nails canceled all their 2021 shows, so Slipknot mm-hmm. is playing in their place. Um, Morrissey is playing with a curated lineup, a very special guest. But, like, you have – this is another one where you talk about – like, you look at, like, the lower tiers of some of these artists, and it's, like, there's some really good artists here oh, that yeah, are, like, dude. opening. Like, Do the gap like,
1: between, from, like, the headliners down to, like, some of their, like – Tertiary people that are in there is still like holy shit. These people are famous. Like it's yeah. not like no namers that are usually like the the lower tier people at Riot Fest.
0: Yeah, I mean you have like you. have So my genre sees some of the, like or like my music fandom uh, to to go back to that. Um, like sees some of these bands that are like like you're saying like just lower on the on the tier list. Like Four Year Strong being on like the fourth set of music on the Saturday of those dates. Like you have 303 like kenny hoopla like Mm -hmm. there's so many good artists on these festivals so living color like i didn't
1: even know they were still around like and the big news is eventually post-covid jake dane and i are all going to get together and go to arizona country thunder yes we are a great time at that music festival too we are gonna die it's gonna be so much fun. We're
0: gonna die. It's gonna be and great. I say Jake,
1: Dane, and I, but all the spouses will be there too. So we'll have a ton of fun with everybody, and we're gonna have a great time.
0: Yeah, that'll be a fun, fun little party for us.
1: Yes, it will. Hopefully, Dane is willing to trek all the way down here uh, with the camper or something, so we can fucking have like a stable place to like shower and shit. Otherwise, it's gonna be a fucking nightmare.
0: Hey, just pour a bunch of water in a garbage bag, poke some holes in it, you're good to go. Uh, yeah, that was our first that. few years at Country Thunder, man. You just gotta get by.
1: Yeah, it's true. Make it happen that's all i got for that obviously there are some really bad concerts out there but more often than not to connect with what you were saying earlier like the musical experience is just it's it's great to connect and the atmosphere is is fantastic uh for most places that you go to see concerts and music venues and everything so that's all i got man what else you got
0: that's it man you know i think that's probably a good spot to end it you know i going back to music you know music is the uh Music makes the, uh, the world go round. We'll put it that way. You know, everybody loves music, I think. Most people love music. I um, just kind of want to end it on a little cheesy note like that. But see what I did final there? final beer note. ranking is a 6.0. 6.0? Yeah. 6.0. Disappointing.
1: Not great. Not bad. It's fine. It didn't live up to the hype of its name. It doesn't taste like salt or lime.
0: Just I was going to say, add like, your own salt and lime to it and let us know.
1: It almost tastes like, um, like a brown ale or okay. something. I don't know. It's not, I don't know. It's just not that exciting. Right. But on yeah. that note, that's all we've got for you guys. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Two Average Husbands. It's been another great episode. Please follow us on the social media and continue to, we don't get a lot of people throwing out the ideas for us, but we are, we are happy to interact with the crowd. And if you guys have us talk about your topics and that helps to connect better, then we're happy to do that as well. So please feel free to message us either on our personals at Kyle Anderson for me on Twitter and at Jake Perry 34 for Jake. Uh, or you can hit us on the, Uh, two average husbands account at number two ABG husbands on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can hit us on Facebook as well. Uh, Let us know what you guys want to hear. And we're happy to connect with you guys and make this experience better for you. Uh, We're here to have fun by ourselves and talk and chit chat. And hopefully you guys enjoy it too. But uh, the more you guys reach out and interact, the better it gets for the audience as well. So thanks for joining in Jake. I'll let you close this one out.
0: Yeah. Like Kyle said, we always appreciate y'all tuning in and we always appreciate the interaction that we do get in the chat. So thank everybody who stopped by tonight, but Always interact with us on all social medias. If you see any unique topics that you want to see us talk about, even just tag us in a tweet. Send us the tweet via DM, yep. and we'll talk about it. Um, we want to get you know the fans more involved in a lot of the shows here, so you know, keep your eye open. If you want a guest and you want to hop on the show with the husbands here, just shoot us a DM. We'll make something happen. Uh, sure, but man. thank everybody for tuning in. We always appreciate the support, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.